Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hello, I want to welcome you to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I want to welcome you to the show. Um, you know what? I want to thank you for listening, sharing it with your friends, your family. We just exceeded 550,000 listeners. So we're really excited about that. Today, we have Pat White, co-founder and CEO of Bitwave. He's going to discuss everything cryptocurrency, taxes, bill paying, whether it's for you or company, you know what, and you know what, what you'd like to see moving forward, how the U.S. government's looking at that taxation, because that's a real big. So if you don't know anything looking to get into it, hey, you're wanting to stick around for that. Now, we're also going to talk about some simple retirement hacks for people who are starting to save for retirement later, like in your 50s. So next and most important to me, we have socioeconomist and author Randall Bell has consulted on more disasters than anyone in history and is widely considered the world's top authority in the field of post-traumatic thriving. You know what? Um, stick with us here. We're going to be right to them to learn how to tap into energy from a trauma and use it to do something remarkable that you wouldn't otherwise do. Now, Dr. Bell, welcome to the show. I want to thank you for joining us today. Steve, it's a pleasure. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, but I want to um, kind of give the uh, everybody who's listening a little background on you, okay? Besides being an economist and a sociologist, uh, Dr. Bell's uh, research has taken him to more than 50 states, seven continents, he studied cases like he, he's been on cases included the World Trade Center, Flight 93 clash, uh, BP oil spill, Hurricane Katrina, the nuclear testing at Bikini Atoll, uh, the tragedies of John Benet Ramsey, OJ Simpsons, as well as the Heaven's Gate mass suicide uh, mansion mass suicide there in San Diego. The medium uh, the media often calls Dr. Bell the master of disaster. This experience has given him an unprecedented access and insight to the cycle of disaster, recovery, and prosperity. He you know, he's somebody who knows the, uh, his ability to analyze complex situations, present his findings and interest in organizing an intelligent way. So you have the background on Dr. Bell. You say, wow, he's been through a lot. One of the things that I'd like to start with is, you know what, when somebody experienced a tragedy, you know what, we have people that got COVID, people passed away from COVID. Um, you know what, I had a brother that passed away from Mar and, and cancer from Mar and last March or this March. Um, and you see shootings, writings, and it's almost like, um, you know, it's a disaster. They hit the, that have that, uh, I want to say that war zone experience. And what's the cycle that people go through when they experience something like that? Well, Steve, first, I, I'm sorry to hear about your brother. And so my heart goes out to you on that. And uh, the, the basic cycle is that you go through a phase of prosperity. And there we tell ourselves a big lie. It's lie number one is that it can't happen to me. And then uh, then there's the disaster. And then the uh, we get you know kind of humbled and beat down. And then the second great lie is uh, there's no hope. And people that really you know get into the the 
recovery and the post-traumatic thriving are those who reject both those lies that, that realize it can happen to me and that there is hope. And they more dial into that kind of mindset uh, in that cycle. So how, you know, how does somebody get from, um, you know, what you, you know, there's, there's a process that I'm going to assume that people have to take to not buy into the lie. Um, it, it's almost uh, like that of, um, you know, what an, uh, what do you call it? Like an alcoholic has where they are, they don't think they have a problem, but yet they do and they don't realize it. So what are the steps that somebody has to take in order to understand, hey, you know what? That is a lie. This can happen to me. And then, you know, how does that healing take place? Yeah, well, the, the book Post-Traumatic Thriving is, is in that cycle. It's in three sta- uh, uh, sections, uh, the dive, survive, and thrive. Dive is when you get hit. And, you know, there I talk about the uh, the mechanics of trauma and what it does to our brain chemistry and understanding that in and of itself is very helpful. Uh, the survive stages where we get back on our feet and the thrive stages where we blast off. Not everybody does that. Uh, some people get stuck in the dive stage. I, I don't say that to be judgmental. It's just, it's just a reality. But it's the, the chapter one's on shock. Um, you know, when, when a trauma hits, there's that shock of, are you kidding me? I mean, when I was 11 years old, I was told I needed open heart surgery. I still to this day remember the shock of that experience. And there's the the bargaining. I bargained with the doctors. I bargained with my parents. I bargained with God. Nobody wanted to listen to me. I I, I needed the surgery. And then there's then there's the denial and and you know all, all of that. Ultimately, you land on the depression stage, and that's okay. All those stages are normal, and you know the anger is normal as long as you don't get stuck there, and as long as you don't hurt anybody, including yourself. Uh, all those all those stages of the dive stage are completely healthy, normal, but we don't want to get stuck there. Okay, so in other words, it's a process somebody has to go through. How long? You know what? Um, you know, I'm assuming it's almost like grieving for somebody. How long does that process usually take for somebody to get through it? Yeah, when you're hit with a big trauma. Typically, it's two, three, four months. If you if you still are down in the dumps and depressed, it's time to seek some help. You get you know trauma recovery is not a solo act. You've got to you got to accept help. You can't bury it inside. One of the classic mis- mistakes we make is we just bury it inside. Outside it looks fine, but inside there's an internal war and uh, and it's not pretty. Okay, so it's almost like you know like for example, my brother's wife and his kids they're going through group counseling and they're saying, okay, other people are like me. They're getting through this. And now I can share my, they can relate to other people and share and realize, hey, we're in this together. Is that kind of what we're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's what I call the dynamic duel of healing. And they're they're already doing number one, which I'm really happy to hear. And that's to sit in the fire, you know, group counseling, individual counseling, a good friend, you've got to tell your story, you can't bury it inside even journaling, but get it out and discuss it. That's where you get healing. The people that that get into some really, um, you know, horrible aftermath of trauma are those that again, buried inside. So they're doing exactly the right thing. Okay, so and the next step is, you know what, sur- surviving. They're, they they hit the dive. Now it's the survive side. What's that process like? Well, the first part of it is to kind of confront it, you know, really kind of say, hey, I, I got to deal with this. This is this is messing up my life. I'm messing up other people's lives. And then there's a chapter on sorting it out where you kind of untangle things and you you take what good you can out and, and separate the good from the bad and just kind of um, differentiate between guilt and shame. There's a whole thing about that. And then the fun part of survival is you start exploring, you know, uh, and, and, and it's kind of self-care and it's kind of fun. You, you say, hey, maybe I ought to take up this hobby or maybe I should rekindle this friendship. You know, there's there's no one way to recover from trauma. There's lots of ways. 
And we, we kind of go from self-medication and drugs or alcohol or, you know, even prescription drugs to self-care, you know, massages, golf, whatever's kind of, you know, kind of helping us kind of reboot our brain. And then that gravitates toward acceptance. And then we kind of ultimately in the, in the, in the survival stage, we land on an awareness. We just have a bigger, broader understanding of what we've been through. And we're kind of m- more mindful of our interpersonal strengths at that point. Okay. So, you know what? Um, uh, some people know this, some people don't. Um, about 15 years ago, I went through that uh, about a colon cancer where, um, as my surgeon put it, uh, after I survived, he says, you know what, in about four hours, you either would have went through renal failure because I had a tumor that clogged up the colon or the cancer was growing so fast, you would have went from a stage two to a stage four. And we pretty much would have made you comfortable until you passed. And, you know, what, waking up from that uh, and then, you know, coming home from the hospital, it was one of those things, like you said, um, I started reaching out to people, curtailed my whole schedule because I definitely worked too much at the time. Uh, and all of a sudden, little things didn't make a difference anymore. Um, and, you know, people that I had spent time working when I should have been connecting with them, I started doing that. And I think that's one of the things that was the, the best thing for me because some people were, it was interesting because when I went through it, some people didn't want to talk to me because they didn't know what to say uh, or were embarrassed that they didn't try and talk to me to see how things were going. Is that something that people need to learn how to deal with or just understand and accept or? Yeah, absolutely. There is this kind of awkward, you know, what do you say to someone, you know, in my own family, there's somebody in my family who's been told by the doctor, she has two years to live. So, you know, I'm going out of my way because I've been through enough of this. Uh, of these disasters and so forth, I'm going out of my way to talk to her and I'm going out of my way to, you know, hang out with her and, and have those uncomfortable conversations. But while they're awkward and while they're, you know, sometimes even ugly, um, that's where we get healing. When we buried inside, there's a lot of regret. Boy, I should have done this. I should have done that. But we, we don't want to do that. We kind of have to just kind of, you know, sit up straight and 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 sit in the fire and have these conversations. It's, it's the best way to go. I was just going to say, one of my best friends growing up I mean, geez, his mom used to blow my nose. That's how long we've known each other. Um, He did not contact me at all and knew that I had gone through, um, you know, colon cancer and all that. And it wasn't until I think it was seven, eight years later uh, when he found out he had testicular cancer. He called me and I think he spent like 25 minutes just apologizing and saying he was sorry and crying and all that kind of stuff. Um, and for me, it was just like, Hey, it's okay. I made it. I'm, I'm good. Um, uh, yeah. for him, it was, it was, it was tough, but, uh, he's actually alive now. So I'm really thankful for that. Um, uh, but now, you know what, when somebody gets to the thriving side of things, mm-hmm. um, you know what, what's, what's that like? What is it? What is people, what are people thinking? Hey, I've survived this. And now they're looking at thriving. Um, yeah, well, the, uh, with, with, with the thriving, let me interject a kind of a story to bring the principles alive. Okay. I, I, I lived uh, two streets away from Leo Fender, uh, who invented the electric guitar. In fact, I happened to be in a hotel room in Nashville where I, I'm a guitar collector and I've been out buying some rare guitars. And um, Leo had trauma. He, when he was eight years old, he had his eye out with a picket fence. So he had a glass eye. And then later he had his hearing blown up with an amplifier. So he was deaf and half blind. And yeah, he built a billion dollar organization. And and I, because my dad worked there, the family, the Fender family lived two streets away. I, I really got the inside story of, of post-traumatic thriving from him, despite his disabilities. And one thing was, uh, like we talked about, you know, talking about, he only told his wife, but he told somebody about what was going on. 
And secondly, it's, it's deep breathing exercises. That's the second part of the dynamic duo. Um, that is very healing. And I see that over and over again. Leo's particular practice was he'd turn on a really hot bath and soak in it for an hour before work. And it, you can call it meditation. You can call it yoga, yoga. You can call it Lamaze. You can call it grounding. It doesn't really matter what you ma- call it. But the, the studies out of Harvard, there's at least 20, 22 studies out of Harvard Medical School that show that deep breathing exercises resets the brain. Because when you're traumatized, you go from the human brain to the inner uh, instinct, instinctual reptilian brain, that's where all the trauma gets recycled. I'm, I'm trying to go through a whole lot of, you know, biology here quickly, but mm-hmm. but the deep breathing exercises literally resets the brain. Very simple. That's what Leo Fender did. And that's a big part of getting into the thriving stage. Oh, that's wonderful. Hey, Dr. Bell, stick with us. We're going to be, you know, everybody, please stick with us with uh, more of Dr. Bell. We're going to be right back. We just got to pay some bills with some commercials. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into the Saving with Steve show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on the Saving with Steve show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show. I truly wanna thank you for tuning in and I appreciate you letting your friends and family members know about our show. All the replays are available at www.savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information, insight, uh, I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss a show. Check us out, a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, and Las Vegas TV. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of personal and financial freedom. You can always follow us at Facebook at the Saving with Steve Sex and Facebook page. You can get uh, insider uh, information, replays, behind the scene information. All you need to do is go to the website at savingwithsteve.us. You know what? Uh, again, this is the Saving with Steve show. I'm talking to Dr. Randall Bell, the master disaster. And we've been talking about deep breathing, resetting the brain. Could you kind of give us an idea how that deep breathing works? Because you know what? I think a lot of people with COVID, crime, politics, all sorts of things, they're getting traumatized one way, shape or form. And just to be able to have a simple technique that enable them to relax, centered, 
and figure out how they want to show up that day could make a big difference. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Right now, Steve, we're talking, we're, our brains are what our uh, scientists call the parasympathetic nervous system. In other words, we're in a calm state. We're, we're you know, we're alive, we're alert. Um, there's no trauma going on that we're aware of. And, and that's where we are. When trauma hits, and by the way, by college age, trauma will hit 66 to 85% of everyone, you know, walking the planet. And by now with COVID, maybe 100%. But when that trauma hits, our brains are, our, our parasympathetic nervous system turns off and our sympathetic nervous system turns on. That's where we get stress. And what's going on is the brain at the base of our brain is sending a signal right above our kidneys to release adrenaline. And we get that fight, flight, fry, uh, freeze mode where it's kind of like the, the cop pulls up behind you in the rear view mirror. And all of a sudden you kind of, you know, internally you're going, uh oh, I'm, I'm really anxious here or something even worse than that. And um, it hits us all. So what happens is when the trauma, you know, goes off, whatever it is, that the whole memory of the event is stored in that inner reptilian brain we were talking about. And so when, the, you know, the doctors come, the ambulance comes, whatever happens, there's uh, things that we're back safe. Um, what happens is we get re-triggered. Just like you hear the Vietnam vet when the when the back car backfires, they hit the deck, you know, because they think they associate it with gunfire. That, that's a that's a nature's way of protecting us. The way we get out of that fight, light, freeze mode, uh, which is unhealthy when, when when there's no real danger. It's it's healthy when we're there's real danger because it gets us to safety. But when there's no danger, we don't want to be caught in that cycle. So to get back to your question, the deep breathing, it can be as few as six deep breaths. Um, but ideally, it's like 15 minutes and you can get an app on your phone for meditation or however you want to do it. But it literally resets the brain chemistry. Um, there's the in the Harvard studies I referenced, they actually measured the brain growth with with brain scans. So while it sounds remarkably simple, maybe too simple, the fact is it just really, really works. And that's how it works. So basically, all you're really doing is you're breathing in um, for what? 10 or as much as you possibly can in a slow, long breath outward. Is that pretty much the size of it or? You can do that. In, in the book, I have three or four. There's no right way as long as you're doing it. In the book, I have three or four different suggestions. But you you can just close your eyes. You can, you know, deeply breathe in and out. You can, some people use what's called mantra breathing. They'll say in their minds, they'll say the word so on the inhale and hum on the exhale. You know, some people don't like that. Some people do. There's lots of ways to do it. The bottom line, we just need to do it. That's awesome. Hey, you know what? If you're just joining us, this is the Saving with Steve show. We're talking with Dr. Randall Bell about post-traumatic thriving, the art, science, and stories of resilience. Um, you want to go to Amazon. It's a five-star book. Uh, it's a wonderful book. Now, you know what? Could you share some stories other than uh, 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 Mr. Fender about some everyday people that might be dealing with COVID or issues that they have when they're little? And um, you know what? I think a lot of people don't realize when we say, you know, 65 to 85% of people have experienced trauma. That trauma could be falling off a wall, breaking your leg, that could be being yelled at, uh, verbally abused and not realize it when you're little. Uh, it could be uh, witnessing a crime, witnessing somebody pass away. Um, you know what we see, I uh, see like people react 
Um, and it might be something that somebody had, I want to say, chastised them for a number of years when they're younger. And when somebody starts in that same motion, they're already in that mindset. Is that kind of what's good? What yeah, see, that was a great list. I call it the difficulties, uh, death, the disease, divorce, you know, uh, destruction, disaster. But you you had a nice list there. Okay, perfect. And, and the reason why I'm asking this is I've actually already bought your book. Um, one of the things uh, when my brother passed away, I have a young niece went out there to help and she wasn't planning to stay, but he took a turn for her worse. And she was there in the hospice care at the hospital when he passed away and has mm. been having some issues with it. So I bought the book, sent it to her because I would love to, for her to, you know, get through that. Um, Cause she's, you know, not many people have had that experience. So she doesn't have a lot of people to go to. So I wanted to get the book for her. So now when we take the steps of thriving, obviously we, we want to recenter the brain. What's the next step? Well, uh, we want to reconnect with people. We want to accept support and, 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 you know, learn new ways to connect with people. We, we've got to have a, there's a chapter on forgiveness. One of the other great lies we're told in life is to forgive and forget. You know, we're not going to, for, you're not going to forget your brother passing away. I'm not going to forget my heart surgery. We all have traumas and, and forgiveness is more, you know, just coming to peace with it. Um, allowing the memory of that come to go through our minds without being re-triggered and have the adrenaline set off and all that kind of stuff. And, and then there's a chapter on resilience where we reframe, we set new goals and, and kind of tap into our, our newfound spirit. That's where we kind of say, Hey, you know, what? This trauma really kind of slapped me across the face. It woke me up. And I, you know, in the book, I have somebody that was living a life of luxury. Her house and her husband's house was smashed by a landslide. And now they got the big ranch that they've always dreamed about. about. And, they, and the dad or the, excuse me, that her husband that has a, a bunch of buildings where he outfits Western movies, which was always his grand dream. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So the trauma doesn't always have to, you know, be negative. It can wake us up to do something we've always intended or wanted to do. And ultimately, well, you know, where we want to land is a sense of gratitude. For me, you know, having the open heart surgery was tough when I was 11. But as an adult, as a tall, white, straight guy from Orange County, California, I didn't grow up, you know, with a lot of empathy. I just, you know, was oblivious to a lot of struggles people had. Now, when I see a kid in a wheelchair, I see someone in marginalized society, I have a whole new level of, of empathy for that person. And I'm willing to admit it. I get a tear in my eye when I see a, a kid in a wheelchair because that was me. So I'm grateful for that. I'm not grateful I went through heart surgery. It was, you know, it was a tough deal, but I am grateful that it, it made me kind of grow up and wake up that there's a bigger world out there than just a bunch of, you know, people from Orange County. So that's kind of how it plays out. I actually agree with that because thinking of my situation, um, you're right. Going through six months worth of chemotherapy and recovering from a surgery for a month, was not fun. And you know, chemo is not good when they have a drug called 5-FU. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, um, but you know what, uh, I will say this because I was the guy that would leave 30 minutes before my son's birthday and then drive home and always be late. Afterwards, I didn't work past five, didn't work the weekends. I've, I've been to every single one of my kids' games. I've been involved with every one of their events. And you know what? I am just unbelievably grateful. I'm on the upside of uh, um, the upside of the grass, so to speak. So uh, I agree with that. I think that's wonderful. I like the forgiveness part. Um, you know what? Uh, I find that um, um, I'm just going to say because I, I so identify with this. Uh, you know, being a person who was always told, you know, hey, you're not tall enough, not strong enough, and that was the feel behind me excelling. And I was still, um, I had resentment towards some of those coaches, some of those people. <laughs> 
And the odd thing is they propelled me to success, uh, but I was still resentful. But after cancer, I said, hey, it's just not worth it. Why should I worry about that? I got too little hair as it is. And, you know, I don't need to lose any more. So I'm just joking there. But uh, that's uh, I just I thought that was uh, wonderful. So, um, you know, what? we have about, oh, 30 seconds. Could you tell everybody, you know, the different ways if they would like to get uh, a hold of you for help? Um, you know what, um, uh, go to your website, all that kind of good stuff. And I'd like to do another promo on your book. Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah, I'm at drbell.com. I'm easy to find. You just Google my name, Randall Bell, and I'll pop right up. But I, I love the discussion. The book's everywhere. It's on Amazon, all the bookstores. But I love this conversation. I invite everyone to to check it out uh, and and get back to me. Send me an email because uh, I love the conversation. And if there's something I'm missing in the book, let me know. We'll, it'll go in the next edition. But the conversation, trauma, and particularly childhood trauma, is the number one problem facing mankind or human. I should say humanity. And, and if we can make the conversation bigger, we can heal from the trauma. We can make the world better. And if we don't do that, at least we'll make our life better. So thank you, Steve. You know what? I appreciate that. I know there's a lot of people out there on the streets that are homeless. Uh, and a lot of times it's from the fact that they couldn't just deal with their traumas and they didn't learn how to survive and thrive. Uh, so I think this book is wonderful. I hope we can share it with more people. Again, uh, Dr. Randall Bell has got a wonderful book called Post-Traumatic Thriving, The Art of Science, Stories of Resilience. It's a five-star rating. It's in bookstores everywhere. You can get it at Amazon right now. Again, I want to thank you for joining us today, doctor. And I hope you have a happy, healthy uh, weekend. And maybe we'll have you back soon. You, you do the same, Steve. Thanks so much. I've enjoyed every second. I appreciate it. You have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, everybody, that was Dr. Randall Bell. I want to thank you for being part of our show. Next up, we have a wonderful guest by the name of Pat White, CEO of Bitwave, going to fill us in on everything cryptocurrency. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, I want to welcome you back. This is Steve Sexton with the Saving with Steve show. We just had Dr. Randall Bell talk about his books, Post-Traumatic Thriving, The Art of Science, Stories of Resilience. It's on Amazon, five-star, wonderful interview. You want to go back and listen to that again, again, read that if you've ever been through any type of trauma. It's interesting to find out. 65 to 85% of people have been impacted by at least one trauma experience and might even 100% when it comes to COVID. Hey, learn how to dive, thrive, or survive and thrive 
by taking out this book or going to drbell.com. Now, right now, I want to talk a little bit about retirement hacks for late survivors, late starters. Now, again, that's retirement hacks for late starters. So if you've been grinding through life and you now decide it's time, hey, I need to start saving for my retirement, okay? Reality is retirement planning can be stressful, especially if you feel behind. 2020 report showed that the economic well-being of U.S. household conducted by the Federal Reserve showed that only 44% of Americans aged 45 to 59 felt their retirement savings were on track, leaving more than 50% of people feeling left behind. Starting or saving for retirement when you're 50 or older isn't impossible. It just requires hard work. If you're behind, you're not alone. There are resources available so you can start retirement planning now. Develop, you need, the key is to develop a mental discipline to save and the, make the most of retirement accounts using catch-up contributions, all of which you can learn how uh, in the next few minutes. Now, we're going to go through a number of steps so you can listen to this over and over again if you missed it. First of all, you want to determine how much cash you're going to need and when you're going to retire. Okay, the key is to step up and start savings. Uh, this is going to be hard work. You started late. Find a good advisor who can help you understand the three most important questions. How much capital do you need? How much money do you need to save? How much do I need to save regularly? And how do I invest with the highest opportunity for success? Because quite frankly, if you save the money and put it in a CD that's earning 0.6, it'll take you 2,064 years to double it. That's a long time, okay? Next thing, might even be the first thing, hire a financial advisor. When getting your retirement portfolio on track, financial advisors can guide you they can show you options for formulating a plan to get you where you want to go. So if you're an advisor, can help you consider the options regarding pensions. If you're in the state, Social Security, those benefits you receive from your government, they can model the, the future uh, benefits um, that can you know, reasonably provide and what you should expect. They can also help you understand what clients' taxes will look like in retirement, remodel realistic spending goals, understand what healthcare costs could potentially be. And if you're in the United States, understanding what Medicare coverage and so on. Next thing is big. The key here is to create a budget and stick to it. Well, how do we create a budget? First of all, we wanna list everything that we're spending. Break things down if you're eating out, to coffee out, food out, um, you know, drive through uh, fast food. If you're buying food at the store, how much is prepackaged? How much is not? You want to list the cable bill, the cell phone bill, every single expense. If you have big lump sums like property taxes or insurances that you pay once a year, break it into a monthly bill, okay? Look at everything from those apps. Start cutting things out of that budget that you're not spending, okay? Not spending. Look for ways that you can do the same stuff, but spend less. So if you have one of those cell phone plans and you're on the top four companies, look at one of the sub companies. You might find they're on the same network. You can get the same service, but instead of paying $54, you can pay 25 like we did. For a family of four, that's a hundred extra bucks. Now you think a hundred extra bucks isn't a lot, but it's a lot when it comes down to paying down your debts, saving more for retirement. Look at your cable bills. Consider going through AT&T Live or Hulu Live or someplace like that 
where instead of spending 300 bucks a month, you can spend say 90, hundred dollars a month on the internet, another 50 or 60 on Hulu Live and buy a couple apps and save yourself another hundred dollars a month. Look at refinancing your mortgage to bring more cash into the house. Eliminate some of the expenses that you have so you can free up money. Then you wanna look at reducing your debt and paying it off as much as possible. According to Experian, average Americans have $92,000 $727 in debt in 2020. The interest in association with debt, you know what, pulls money from your pocketbook, making it harder for you to save for retirement. The key here is this, you're better off earning an interest than paying an interest. So how do we go about paying down that debt? You wanna list all your debts, lowest balance to the highest balance, the payment date, the minimum payment, the interest rate. I believe in a snowball effect, some people believe you should start with the highest debt, I believe you should start with the lowest debt because I want to make it easy to create momentum. So what I do is I pay the minimum on every single debt. And on the smallest one, I put as much as I possibly can. If I've saved an extra $200 or $300 on my budget, I'm going to add two or $300 plus the minimum payment to that first one. When it gets paid back, paid off, I'm going to take out what I was paying on that first one and add it to the second one and third one. And that's how I create momentum. Pretty soon you'll have it all paid off. But and one of the other things you might want to consider if you're 50 is look at downsizing, okay? When you look at downsizing, it might be a good idea to look at how much you're spending. So you can end up selling that house that you don't have all the kids anymore, end up paying cash for the next house, and you've eliminated a mortgage, okay? You might even consider staying on the job longer. Hey, you know what? You're 62. You're getting so much at uh, Social Security or from your government or your pension, but you know what? If you stay five years longer, you can get 25, 30% more. And that might be what you need in order to get yourself to a point where you can retire. The next thing, if you're in your 50s, you have the ability to maximize your retirement accounts. You can take advantage of the catch-ups. So if right now, if you're over 50, you can almost contribute $27,000 a year. If it's you and your husband, find a way to do that. A couple of things that are cool about it is you'll pay less taxes on the, you won't be paying any taxes on the money you contribute and it compounds for you. You could save a lot of money. Also consider annuities. Why? Because they can create a guaranteed income that you won't outlive. Discover lost money by utilizing side hustles. There's many people who have started renting it out a room. Like if you have that big house because you got three kids away at college, Hey, consider renting out the rooms. Kids might not like it when they come back. You know what? But you can make an extra two, three, four hundred dollars a month or have a side hustle. I know a lot of people who are touring individuals with English and other countries. Uh, and you know what? They're making 20, 30 dollars an hour to do that. Now, the other thing is you want to decide when you're going to claim things like Social Security or your pension. Okay. Why? Because the longer you wait, the more you're going to get, but you got to make sure it's going to be there when you walk out on life. Now, there's some great hacks there for you to start um, saving for retirement if you haven't started yet. Remember, you're going to have to become a disciplined saver. You're going to have to cut things out of your budget. You're going to have to have a financial advisor help you with realistic goals. Now, you know what? You want to stick with this. We've got Pat White in just a moment. We'll be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. 
Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, I want to welcome you back to the show. I want to thank you for joining us. I appreciate you sharing us with your friends, family, and associates. This is Steve Sexton with the Saving with Steve show. I'd like to introduce you to Pat White. He's co-founder and CEO of Bitwave. And you know what? Millions of Americans simultaneously are buying more cryptocurrency, okay? Uh, And while trying to file our taxes, we're facing new phenomena with the IRS, the SEC, and, you know, how to declare a crypto account asset, especially at, at how it's scaled. And more and more investors pile into cryptocurrencies. Regulators have not kept pace with the guidance on how to invest in these assets. Um, and it's typically true for most companies. It's, it's really interesting the way this is working out because this has been one of our biggest viewer questions is, how does this all work? Because I know you have you have the ability to pay bills with crypto and ability to do their, their taxes and many other things with Bitwave. So, you know what, Pat, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, thanks for being here. Well, th- thanks so much for having me, Steve. I'm so excited to chat about crypto. It's it's one of my passions. I've been in the space for a while now. I personally hold it on my own in my own portfolio, and then now we have a I have a startup where we're trying to enable cryptocurrency for businesses. It is a it's a really exciting time to be involved in all this stuff, and I'm I'm very excited to share that with you and your listeners. Well, you know, it's really interesting. We're starting to see um, business titans and icons. You know, hey, announcing they're buying bit cryptocurrency. Yeah, uh, we saw Elon Musk it's, on Saturday Night Live, which is really cool. Yeah, and sports sports stars aren't saying they want to get paid only in cryptocurrency off of their off the big contracts. I mean, it is it's a it's a almost unprecedented time where uh, sports stars are requesting <laughs> requesting a non fiat payment. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and it, it's nuts because um, I can't say it's nuts, but. You know what? There's one lineman. Um, he's already had. What is he? He's already made thirty percent more because he got paid in cryptocurrency. And oh yeah, you know what? That's not a bad gig. <laughs> well, what about you know Tesla? Over the last year, their their appreciation on their crypto on their on their Bitcoin purchase. So I think they bur- they bought in around sixteen k. I think is what everyone's saying. Um, somewhere in that range. Their appreciation on Bitcoin has been about $780 million. The amount of money they've made from selling cars has been about a $750 million. 
So, so Tesla has actually made more money on paper from crypto than they actually made selling cars last year. Well, that's interesting. That, wow, that's 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 really interesting. So now, Pat, you how long have you been in the industry? So I, I've been around crypto for for six or seven years now, just sort of watching it, you know, buying a little bit here and there. It's fun. It's fun to kind of get involved with. It's a it's fun to be there. And as a technologist, it's it's just it's a really powerful thing. Like the the story for crypto from the very beginning has been one of financial self-empowerment. And and I think like when we when we look at crypto and it's I'm sure for a lot of people looking at this, you know, crypto's been around officially since 2009, but for a lot of people looking at this, they probably feel like everything's exploded recently. And what I'll say is a big reason for that is, you know, yeah, it's Elon Musk and, you know, the and Dogecoin and all these things are kind of fun. But what's really happened is that more and more of the story of financial self-empowerment has started to come to reality on within within the cryptocurrency spheres. So today, for instance, like I won't spend a lot of time talking about this, but today you could buy some Bitcoin. You could take that Bitcoin and you could go to uh, the Ethereum network, which is a, which is like you have Bitcoin, Ethereum, a few other cryptocurrencies that are out there. But you could actually take that Bitcoin, um, put it into a like stake it is what they call it, like basically deposit it to an account in Ethereum. And then borrow money to pay your bills, or you know, or to pay your taxes for the year, or you could loan it out to actually earn yield, just like you would from a bank. Except you're getting eight percent yield on the blockchain as opposed to 0.025 percent uh, in your in your bank account. So there's been this inflection point where there's suddenly all these different ways to use crypto that are beyond just buy some Bitcoin and hold it, where now you can actually earn yields on it or borrow money against it, and really, really, it becomes part of your your again financial self empowerment. So here's here's you know what. I think I, I love hearing that. And then you have somebody that's sitting back and you hear, you know, a Warren Buffett long ago say, hey, there's nothing that supports this currency. You know what? Yeah. Or, and, and, you know what? Uh, there's, you know, I actually know somebody who bought it way back when it first started and he's only 35 now and he no longer has a need to work anymore because sure. the growth in it. And everybody thought he was crazy and he was just wasting his money, but obviously he's not that crazy like most great ideas. But help us understand, you know what, the foundation for Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, because uh, I think people are worried about, you know what, the US dollar was on the gold standard at one point, it was taken off. Um, yeah. You know what, I think somebody talked about the oil standard or whatever, but um, help us understand the foundation behind cryptocurrency or all cryptocurrencies or all currencies in general so people can get, you know, make that connection. Yeah, it's 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 a great question because it's so it's it, before you think about crypto, you really do have to think about currency as uh, as this, you know, uh, as as a medium of exchange, but essentially as as sort of an agreement we as a bunch of people are kind of making with each other. So and this, it tends to be a somewhat controversial statement. I mean, even on the internet, well, everything's controversial on the internet, but, but depending on where you say this, like, you know, if you come out and say, well, the US dollar is not really backed by anything, that's absolutely true. Like since we got off the gold standard, the US dollar is just a piece of paper. Now it is backed by the acceptance of that piece of paper by people all around the world. And even that is sort of a funny controversial thing to say because you know people will point at the US dollar and say, well, it says right here, this is legal tender for all debts, public and private in the United States. But in fact, like the US dollar extends so far beyond the United States there are people that use it seriously for every bit of their day-to-day -day transacting in Argentina, Venezuela, you know, all over the world. 
So it's not that you have to sort of separate this idea of a currency having value because it is backed by Petro or because it's backed by gold or whatever it is to, to this acceptance that crypto, that, it, that a currency has value because everyone agrees it has value. And that's, and that's where you, that's where like cryptocurrency comes in is that cryptocurrency has value, not because it's necessarily backed by anything. There are economic mechanisms to describe the store of value, what is actually being stored in something like Bitcoin. There are, there are models to describe what is actually being stored in there. But beyond all of that, what is important is that everyone kind of agrees that Bitcoin has value, that there is value in having a deflationary type asset that will be hedged against inflation. Uh, and, and that you want to be able to do that in such a way that you could move it around very rapidly in the in the world. It's a great time, you know, Steve. I mean, the, you you probably covered this or you will, but it just you know we just released inflation numbers for for the last quarter. Inflation in the U.S. was four four and a three four point three eight percent, something in that range. You know, that's when you look at cryptocurrencies. What people are asking themselves: Bitcoin by itself is designed to be a deflationary asset. There is a fixed number of coins that will ever exist in the world. And every, every four years, the number of coins that, can, that gets produced per day drops by half. So, so there's a limited number of, crypt, of Bitcoin that are going to be out there. There's only 20 million will ever exist uh, in, uh, in, the, in the world. So you can look at this as a deflationary asset. It, it feels very similar to gold in that way. Like there's there's something like 6 million metric tons. I'm behind the number. I, I won't say it, but there's there's a fixed amount of gold. Wow. There, it's, someone described it. It's like there's a, it's a sphere uh, 600 meters across of gold that exists in the world. I swear that's right. Anyways, you can look it up. It's a fun one. Um, and so in the same way that there's a fixed amount of gold that will be in the world until we start mining asteroids, there's a fixed amount of Bitcoin. So the value comes from saying, hey, the price of Bitcoin versus the US dollar. As we print more US dollars, the price of Bitcoin versus that dollar will go down because it is fixed and this is not. So that's like that's the way to start to think about this. this is the, that's the way that the Tesla and MicroStrategy and these different companies get into it. They think about it in terms of deflationary asset that is hedging against you know, inflation. And I'm, I'm sure your, your viewers, your listeners think about that, which is that we just printed as the US, we just printed about $2 trillion for the stimulus package. We're about to print $2 trillion more dollars for the, um, the infrastructure package. Regardless of whether these get paid for by taxes or not, it's a very big inflationary effect. And that's why you saw that jan those January numbers looking like that. So crypto is is a very good hedge against it, especially Bitcoin. So you know what? Um, we have about a minute left before we have to go to break. But uh, the question I have is, if third world countries, like you talked about Venezuela, which has hyperinflation and all that stuff, and I can yeah. understand why they want a more stable currency like the dollar. But if they start going on cryptocurrency, say Bitcoin, okay, uh, or other cryptocurrencies, um, how would that stabilize the economics of that country because they can no longer devalue their that they can't devalue that currency. Uh, it, it it can actually have the opposite effect. Is they can be it can be incredibly destabilizing to the country's economy or to the to the country's fiat. So you have to sort of separate their their currency policy or their their economic monetary policy from the economy in general because these places tend to have terrible economic policies, but their economies hum along. I mean, people still buy bread and all those things on a day to day basis. So Bitcoin is one of those things that can be incredibly good for individuals. So cryptocurrencies in general, uh, if you get a, there are certain cryptos which are really designed for the, for, for the you know, for, for countries like that, which have really, really low transaction costs, really quick to send and use as, as transacting currencies. Those can be enormously liberating because you can move it, you can, you can do great remittances. It's very easy to move it from the US to this foreign country without the, without the country forcing you to turn into fiat, which Argentina does do. They, they force USD coming in to move over to pesos. 
Uh, so you can do it without the, the government getting involved. And then it ends up being hedged against that. And in fact, the more people want to dump their, their country's fiat, the more you will see the coin actually get picked up. So countries move to kind of make it illegal, but that's very difficult to do with something that's totally peer-to-peer. I think what we're going to see in the next couple of years is the first instance of a, of a country actually moving over to a cryptocurrency dollar standard. So moving off their own fiat to a cryptocurrency dollar standard. Pat, I'm going to hold you right there. We have to take a break. That's wonderful. Hey, everybody, we're talking uh, cryptocurrency with CEO uh, Pat White here at Bitway. So stick with us. We're going to be right back. We're going to be talking about taxes and all sorts of things. This is wonderful. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back. This is Steve Sexton with the Saving with Steve show. Again, I want to thank you for uh, listening to our show, sharing it with your friends and family. Uh, if you'd like to see all the episodes, you can go to savingwithsteve.us or you can follow us on YouTube at Saving with Steve Sexton. Hey, uh, again, uh, if you'd like to follow us on, on Facebook, you can go to Saving with Steve Sexton. Now we're right back here with cryptocurrency, Bitwave, and co-founder and CEO of Bitwave, Pat White. Now, one of the things that we were talking about on our break is GameStop and what it got people to realize and do. So could you talk us through that one more time? I know we just I just started. Oh, yeah. No, it's no problem. If, if everyone can recall, uh, one, of, one of the between, between uh, what was it, Tiger King and a few of the other uh, shared pandemic experiences we all had, one of them was the whole GameStop debacle. Um, I know I was in it. I was, I was thoroughly enjoying it. And if you remember what happened was that you know, people, they saw a short squeeze happening, which was where one fund, one hedge fund had basically over, way over uh, leveraged themselves into shorting GameStop. People started buying into it to essentially make their that hedge fund's position unmaintainable. As that was happening, there was a day, and if I remember it was like Tuesday, that that it was going to go parabolic. I mean, literally that day was the day that the, the short squeeze was going to happen. It was a disaster for, for the hedge fund. There was billions of, lo- of dollars on the stake uh, from, the, from the financial service industry. And the major players in the uh, trading space, the retail trading space, uh, all froze trading on on Robinhood. This was uh, upsetting for many of us that were kind of invested and that don't like Wall Street and that we're excited about about uh, about taking them down a peg. But what it showed, and this is where where this comes into play with with cryptocurrency is just like you could go onto the blockchain now and borrow money or lend money. There are ways to go on the blockchain today and buy stock or buy derivatives of stock or make bets on future action. So what's happening is that there's there's going to be this movement over the next few years 
where a lot of the traditional financial instruments, the blockchain, that, that, that Wall Street controls, loans, debt, crypto, bonds, uh, and then stock trading is going to start to move into, into these peer-to-peer decentralized mechanisms that are instantly settled where no one can really gatekeep you in or out of it. It is your, it is you, you are fully self-determined on it. So, you know, that was one more thing that, that made crypto take off was GameStop in a very weird roundabout way. So let's continue that. What is the SEC doing about that? They're, they're not happy about it. Uh, it depends on how it goes. Well, they can't um, control it. So they aren't happy about it. I get that. They can't control it. They're unhappy about it. You know, there are certainly some scams that are happening. And a lot of the laws that we have in the books in the US around unregistered securities are designed to protect investors. They're designed to protect investors. It was from these securities uh, scams that people would run. They're designed to protect investors. So so that's, you know, it's good that someone's thinking about this stuff. What happens though, is that this is all happening on a blockchain. The companies are based around the world. You start a company in the Cayman Islands. You you live in Malta. You launch something like this. You, you launch a derivative product. There are products where you can go and bet on the price of gold three months from now, uh, just like just like you could if you were a major financial institution and you had Goldman Sachs as your partner, Goldman would let you come in and make bets on futures on commodities. It's hard for you and me to do that. Like no one's invited me to a futures commodities uh, brokerage account recently, but you can go and do that on the blockchain. So they're nervous about it, but but these companies are just popping up all over the world. And there's not much that you could do if a company opens up in the Cayman Islands. Okay. So now we got to move into the tax question. How are, you know what, you buy, you sell, you, you use crypto for payments. How is it? How are the, How is it looked on in taxes? What's the IRS doing? Yep, yep. So uh, you can think if if all you are doing is buying some Bitcoin, holding it, and then selling it, and you're you're not earning any yield on it. Uh, so you're not using like Block Fee or Celsius or any of those networks, and you're not you're not doing any of this DeFi, this crazy decentralized finance stuff that I've been talking about here. Um, if all you're doing is buying and holding it. It ends up looking and smelling a lot like a stock. Like you buy it, when you buy it, you get a cost basis. So if I buy it for $40,000 and then a month later I sell it for $50,000, that is a $10,000 capital short-term capital gain. Me as an individual, I can use that as a short-term capital gain. If I sell it a year later, then I can do that as a long-term capital gain. Smells exactly like like you know a normal like asset. Any currency on the marketplace, any currency. Yep. Okay. So, so don't be afraid of it. I mean, honestly, from that perspective, if, if you want to get your feet wet, um, just you know, sign up for a Coinbase account. Sign up for a Kraken account. You know, you there are. It's very easy as long as you sort of just stay on the exchange, buy and sell from there. It's it's really easy to basically get to to start. You know, dipping your toes into cryptocurrency. Okay. So okay. So we got taxes out of the way. Um, let's talk about you know what on your platform. My understanding is people can do their accounting. They can do their bill pay. How does that work? Well, where things where things start to get really complicated. So if all you're doing is buying and selling cryptos, it's not that tough. As soon as you start transacting in it, that's where things get really tricky. Because if you think about it, um, if I get paid one Bitcoin for my services, then what I have to do is I have to grab a fair market value for that Bitcoin. So let's say it's $40,000 is, is like kind of what the, the spot price is at that moment. And I have to record that as income. So that goes either as a business, it goes onto my income statement. As an individual, it goes onto my, you know, about a 1099 that I have to register as income. I have to then keep track of that of that same cost basis. So that $40,000 cost basis, it follows that coin along. So then when I go and spend that coin or sell it or buy a Lamborghini or whatever it is I'm doing, um, I then need to know what, what that coin was when I got it as income. And then what I sold it at, and the difference between those two is then also capital is then also capital gains. Oh. So you pick up capital gains not just from buying and holding, even from when you, if you receive it as income or if you pay it out as income as as a services, 
in both those cases, you're triggering it. You're triggering a taxable event. So that's so. So in other words, but if you are triggering a taxable event, it is an expense and it's a deductible expense. You can offset it, but right. you have to deal with the tax portion of it as well. I can see how it gets complex there. And, and, and you have to be tracking, you know, and you have to be tracking deductible expenses versus non-deductible expenses. Yeah, exactly. So if a company's doing this and they're on Bitwave, they're going to say, hey, we already know that you got it for 40. You're selling it for, you're, you're using 60,000, one Bitcoin to $60,000 to buy this piece of equipment. And you're going to use that, uh, once you buy that equipment, you're going to use the 197 deduction to offset the tax that you would pay on the $20,000 gain in Bitcoin. <laughs> Or, or you have to pick it up as a capital gain expense and then depreciate the asset. There are different ways you're yeah, going to handle yeah, that yeah, on your yeah. side. So I'm just trying to make a simple example for people who are listening. Okay. Yep. So now that's that's the bookkeeping, that's the billing, that's the taxes. So let's start talking about the future of cryptocurrency. Yeah, it, it is really exciting. So what we're seeing more and more is people are taking a small amount of their net worth and that whether that be businesses looking at their treasury or individuals looking at their own their own assets. And they're taking a small amount of it and they're putting it towards cryptocurrency. And, and I like to think of it as this, it's sort of a, like crypto tends to be a bit of a black hole in a good way. Like it, it sucks you in and it doesn't, like once you start down the path, uh, forever will it dominate your destiny. It's, it, it's one of those things where- really, <laughs> sound like an addiction there. <laughs> drop, drop the Star Wars line in there also. Um, it, it starts to pull you in. So what people do is they'll, they'll get in with Bitcoin and they'll do it because they're worried about inflation. Just like they would buy stock, you know, oil stocks or what, anything else that's out there. They buy it as a hedge in inflation and they, and they hold onto it there. What you can then do is you can then take that to a platform like BlockFee or Celsius. You deposit it there and you start earning you know, three, four, five, 6% interest on that. And that's now, you now have an asset that you're holding as an inflationary asset, but you're also earning a yield on it. At some point, then- the, Most platforms are using your dollars to lend to somebody else. They're, they are doing different things behind the scenes. They're taking your, your Bitcoin. They hold it on their balance sheet as a Bitcoin. So from my perspective, it just looks like a deposit into a bank account, but then they go and do a bunch of stuff behind the scenes, put their money to work, you know, loan it out, do this DeFi stuff. And then they're earning the yield on that that they then bring back to me after they take a little bit of a cut. Okay, great. Yeah. So you can do that. And that's, you know, and then that's the next step. And then once you get a little bit more sophisticated, then you can start playing around with Ethereum and all this other decentralized finance finance where you can actually borrow money against it. If you need to cover medical expenses and you have you know, $10,000 of Bitcoin, you can borrow $6,000 in cash against that to basically go and pay your expenses and then pay, repay it over the line, all without getting any banker involved, all without getting any individual involved. I mean, you could just go and do this completely by yourself on the blockchain today. It's almost like a margin loan. Very simple. It, 100%. It's a margin loan that you can you can do without, without having a TD Ameritrade account. Yeah. Or going through regulation. Now, yep. okay. So we've got about, oh, a minute left. I would just like you to walk through all that Bitwave does, how people can get a hold of you. Um, and you know what, Pat, I really appreciate you being part of the show and sharing all that is Bitcoin. I mean, you're per- perfect. You're passionate about that. And that's the best part. <laughs> no, it's- it's a it's a it's an absolute pleasure being here. This stuff is is my life is my life, and I love it. Um, Bitwave, we are we are bringing digital assets to businesses and enterprises. So if you have a business and you're interested in in taking digital assets uh, as payment or paying your employees, you know we see a lot of people who want to just pay bonuses as a fun thing to their employees in digital assets. Uh, we can support that. We're at www.bitwave.io or at Bitwave Platform on Twitter, or you can follow me at Pat White on Twitter. Uh, we would we would love to have to have you. Uh, we're we're always looking for businesses that want to start using crypto. That's what we do. Pat, I want to thank you so much. 
much for being here. This has been wonderful. Uh, it's a joy to talk with you because you're so passionate about it. It's actually easy. I probably have to pull you up, but this is it's great. hard for you to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> it's actually perfect because this is what people driving around want to know about crypto. And many people are considering, hey, how can I do better for my business? So if we buy it through our business and use it to pay bills, it could be a benefit for us. In fact, yep. I have a farmer client that has a tremendous amount of Bitcoin and he's actually using it to purchase equipment and all sorts of things. And he thinks it's the best since sliced bread because it's going very well for him. So oh, I love I love hearing those stories. We I expect to see so much more of it. Uh, it is it, it really is going to change the face of finance. So for someone who deals with finance every day, I mean, this it is a it's a real game changer. That's that's right now. The, the giants kind of waking up finally. <laughs> well, so you know what? Uh, I'll just say this. Thank you so much for being here. This has been wonderful for our uh, our, our listeners as well as for me. Uh, I wish you all the best. I'd like to circle around in a few months and see how things are going. That's absolutely. Okay. And always that, happy to chat. You, with that, I'm going to let you go. Be happy. Be healthy, and we'll we'll see you soon. Thanks so much, Steve. All right. Bye bye, everybody. That was Pat White. CEO and co-founder of Bitwave, just filling us in on cryptocurrency, what's going to happen, taxes, SEC, the whole shot. Now, I want to thank you for joining us today. We had Dr. Randall Bell discuss his book, Post-Traumatic Thriving, The Art of Science, Stories of Resilience. Again, you can get it on Amazon. It's a five-star. If anybody's been through trauma, wonderful book to have. Secondly, we talked about retirement hacks for late starters. Hey, if you're 50 years old, don't have enough saved or don't feel you have enough saved for retirement, hey, listen to that. Help you get on track. Find a good financial advisor. Make sure you understand how much to save, reducing expenses, the whole shot. And then we had Pat White, CEO of Bitwave, talk to us about everything cryptocurrency. I want to thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton.